Hi, welcome to the Real Kingdom Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are live on Facebook. Thank you so much if you are streaming along with us or if you're listening to this on audio. Thanks a ton. If you're live with us, please feel free to comment. Let us know that you're here. Let us know any questions or comments that you have, and we will try to get to those throughout the show. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast. I just want to welcome you and let you know that our goal today as every day is just to tell stories that have kind of convinced us about the truth of biblical Christian spirituality. And our hope is that these stories will help you in your relationship with Jesus. So I want to say hello to my co-host, Dustin Aguilar. How's it going, man? Yo, it's going great. I am uh, currently trying to share the video to my Facebook page. And last night at my, uh, I'm the youth director of uh, my church paradox. And I was trying to do some social media stuff and I had to have one of my youth come and help me. And where is he now? (laughs) Classic. But yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, and, uh, I am really excited to get to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Sorry. Let me just, let me just do one thing at a time here. How do yeah. I share it to my Facebook page? I click yeah, share so last... and it says share to group or share to a page. Share Why don't page. you figure that out? I will. I will. Shall I continue talking through everything that I'm trying? No. Okay. <laughs> so last time on this podcast, we told a story of kind of what was for me the first time that I knew that I heard from God. And the reason that was so important for me is it may not have been the first time I heard from God, but it was the first time I got confirmation. Uh, God put something very specific in my heart. Uh, He specifically gave me the, he gave me the phrase, there is no cup. And I sensed that I was supposed to pray that over Dustin And that had turned out to be an exact match to what he was praying in that moment, which was God, take this cup from me. And so it was this moment where I realized God had spoken through me. Dustin realized, wow, God's there. He's hearing my prayers. Mm -hmm. God loves me enough to communicate directly an answer to my prayer. And in that, that was a scary situation. And it was kind of God telling us he was going to get us through it, that it, uh, it was going to be all right. So just an amazing moment in our lives. And for me, permanently changed the way that I pray. Even if I'm not always actively listening or or actively hearing things that either I know or God or think might be God, it just kind of made me a little bit more active and a little bit more alert when I pray. Mm -hmm. And frankly, it made me realize um, a Christian's value in the kingdom of God. Now that I know that God might speak through me, I'm less skeptical about God speaking through others. And it makes uh, prayer a lot more exciting. It makes it active. It makes me realize God's really working. Mm-hmm. And you may, you may not be someone that needs that. You already are convinced of that without any kind of miraculous proof, but I don't mind admitting that I needed that and that it really helped mm-hmm. me. So nice. today we're going to talk about some things that were really kind of uh, the big revolution for Dustin, something that kind of changed his faith and his walk with the Lord. But before we get to that, Dustin, um, I want to ask you the question that's on everyone's mind, Oh, which is, have you seen Hamilton yet? Oh, well, uh, no, I haven't. 
What? I started to watch it, and then I didn't watch it. Uh, But I'm going to watch it. Uh, I was with uh, a group that was, when we started it, they were like, wait a minute, I know nothing about Hamilton, so there's no way, uh, I I can't, let me go research Hamilton a little bit, find out who he is, and just, and I was, I thought, well, listen to the lyrics, but I practice understanding rap lyrics. So I was like, let's just listen, let's just watch this and listen. Uh, But everybody else was like, no, not, not we're going to do. So we watched a movie that was the opposite of Hamilton. It was like a (laughs) war movie that didn't even have a soundtrack Uh, and it was riveting, but I am interested in watching uh, Hamilton and I will. And I promise by next time, I will be able to say yes. I can't wait to hear your review. So part of the reason I ask is because I remember you've always kind of had, I don't want to say an affinity, but I think more of an affinity than most people for the sort of driven, almost crazy people who <laughs> who invent things and get stuff done and who are geniuses and kind of overly productive, maybe even in an unhealthy way in some cases. Mm-hmm. And Hamilton is totally one of those guys. Okay. You're piquing so. my interest, like how I <laughs> how I uh, strangely related to uh, uh, Howard Hughes, in, yeah, Howard Hughes in The Aviator, yeah. and how recently I thought about that watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, uh, you mm-hmm. know, about Michael Jordan. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you're piquing my interest with this Hamilton fellow, uh, and actually, uh, the kind of thing that happened in my life in this story that I'm about to tell, sort of uh, takes that like just intensity thing and directs it in the right direction. Uh, this sort of affinity that I have for intensity, it was misdirected or kind of not, maybe not even, I don't know there. I don't know. It was misdirected for sure. Cause I would work tirelessly on certain projects, but the stuff that happened in this story uh, that uh, we're going to tell um sharpened or I maybe redirected my focus into what I want to give myself completely to, to God. It sort of uh, was the big, big doorway for me into pursuing God the way that I have been now for the last 10 years. Um, it has to do with this and the, and the stuff that goes on in the story is really, really intense. And, uh, and, you know, we're like we've discussed already. I mean, we're going to be talking about some, you know, big time spiritual stuff happening, uh, specifically revolving around uh, demons and, um, you know, evil spirits, uh, things that are in our church circles not talked about a whole, whole lot, but are, you know, all throughout the scriptures and Jesus' ministry, much of the time was devoted to dealing with evil spirits, uh, in various ways. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I wrote down all of the stuff, like all the details that happened in this story. I I wrote them down two years after it all happened. So this would have been about eight years ago that I wrote it all down, uh, because I wanted to make sure that I didn't forget anything. And then I didn't go back and read that stuff to prepare for this, uh, (laughs) this podcast. Uh, but I thought, uh, you know, I was thinking the stuff that's still salient is the big, big stuff. I, it might have tempted me to 
get bogged down onto the, the fine, fine details. Uh, but I think the biggest stuff is the stuff that clearly, you know, 10 years later, still not only I can remember, but motivates me and still sort of is uh, a major player in my life. So basically, uh, the story goes, and I, we didn't talk about this, but we should probably not use the fellow's name. Did we already use the fellow's name? I don't think so. Um, so let's just call him Brian. Okay. Which is not his name, as you know. So Brian, the Brian story. Um, so in a time in my life where I was doing lots and lots and lots of ministry and trying to do this Christian thing the best, you know, that I thought that I could. And I was, you know, we were taking uh, people in, uh, doing ministry to people experiencing homelessness and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it was eating me alive because I was, uh, I was, I had misplaced, there was misplaced spiritual, whatever. I wasn't being filled up by God, but I was pouring out, pouring out, pouring out because I, you know, I had this idea like, well, Christians are supposed to do this stuff. So as I'm trying to be a good Christian, I wind up in this position where um, I am uh, depleted of of life, so to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I start I started, you know, crying out to God. It, it just I could tell something was wrong um, with my Christian life. And for about, I don't know, maybe nine months, I was in a, just a real dry season while doing all of this, um, intense ministry with people experiencing homelessness and, uh, to, to cut out some of the fine details and maybe some details to cut out some details that would probably require an entire other show with a t- different subject. We'll just skip to the, to the part where, um, we first meet Brian. So this is after a lot of really deep crying out to God and really, really wanting to hear from God and finally starting to, you know, be coming into a place where my Christian life was not based on what I'm doing, but my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the, when things started to really shift for me, one of the first things that happened was a friend of ours uh, called us up or called me up and said, hey, I've got this guy, Brian, uh, who is experiencing homelessness. And, uh, and I think that there may be something demonic going on in his life, uh, and he needs a place to stay. And, and I messaged the rest of the roommates and said, Hey, got a guy experiencing homelessness might have some demonic stuff going on. Now at the time, we didn't really know what demonic stuff meant. Uh, but we all said, yeah, everybody said yes. Well, and I, yeah, I th- go ahead. I think it was probably like a Friday. And the goal was to have him go into this oh, Christian yeah. halfway house on Monday when they opened. So yep. we thought it was going to be two days. Right. I, we didn't really know that we were going to end up being kind of the frontline ministry for the guy. We thought we were just a, a place like we'd been for so many other people of just staying, mm-hmm. you know, a place to sleep for a couple of nights. That's right. Yeah. So when we said yes, I had this distinct feeling like this is what God wants. And I feel like uh, even... I heard something from God. I, I feel like, and this was like a first time hearing from God kind of thing for me where I felt like God said, uh, I want you to welcome this guy and I want you to, uh, put Bibles all over his bed, which was going to be a, a couch. And I thought, I thought, yeah, okay, we'll do that. We'll and then I was like, wait, why did I just have that thought? That doesn't seem logical. And I thought, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's God talking to me now. 
to this day, I don't have a clue if that was really God who, that said that or not. I didn't, there was no real way to corroborate, but I was excited because I felt like I could tell things were, were changing. So we, we did that. We put Bibles all over the guys, uh, the, the, where the guy was going to sleep. And he did say, as soon as I saw those Bibles, I felt like God told me, I'm going to take care of you. So maybe that is, maybe that is corroboration. Uh, but that's not the, the part of the story that's super, super encouraging to me. The parts of the story that were really encouraging uh, that kind of that basically changed my life were basically this guy. Uh, you couldn't talk to him for two minutes straight without him uh, starting to kind of act real weird and tell you things like, "I see the devil on your face, man! I see the devil on your face! I see slime everywhere!" Like he was seeing things, he was hearing voices, um, and uh, and you couldn't hold a conversation with him. Now, I guess I actually, I guess I meant to say this at the beginning. I guess this is still the beginning enough to say this. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about this story convinced that he was dealing with something demonic. Although I realize that I suppose it's possible that it was just a uh, mental disorder. Yeah. Um, I think maybe some people would say, well, isn't that just, you know, schizophrenia or some kind of, Right. Some some kind of mental disorder, you know, drug induced or genetic or or whatever, um, and and so I humbly say I don't know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, when I but yeah, well, when I tell this story, you know, to kind of a mixed audience where I don't really know where they're coming from, I'll often say I totally believe in schizophrenia on the chemical level. And I also believe in in the demonic and the spiritual realm because I believe that the scriptures are trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And in his case, at least, and in other cases that we know of, what would happen wasn't just sort of random delusions or or weirdness. It was very specifically dark, satanic, anti God, hateful. It mm-hmm. it was kind of very focused and hellish. Mm-hmm. So. It's the kind of thing where you go, well, if you don't believe in demons, if you don't believe in the spiritual, call it schizophrenic, and it's just a kind of dark, an especially dark version. But if you do, it's hard It's hard to make a case that this wasn't that. And of course, you and I would both maintain there's, there's a lot of mystery to mm-hmm. all of that, and we do believe that Jesus can heal any of it. Yeah. So to some extent, it's our job to be faithful. But if it's yeah. important to you to say it could have been or it definitely was schizophrenia— we're not here to, to say you're wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well said. Uh, so um, we thought he was going to be with us for a couple of days. And when um, our friend who brought him to us to begin with came to pick him up on the last day when he was supposed to go into this uh, more you know formalized sort of home, um, they, they took him in and through their intake, they were like, we can't, we're not going to take him. Um, we can't serve, uh, we don't serve this type of thing. Uh, he, he, we, we just can't get him all the way through the, in, the intake. Um, and so he, he came back to us like hours later. Uh, and I think that they specifically said like, we don't do like this kind of demonic thing. Yeah. And that was my first, but actually not my last time to hear a ministry say that just oh, acknowledging yeah. we think this is demonic and we don't know how to deal with that. Wow. Or word, wow. so, which which was for me very intimidating for him to then come back to our house. 
So I don't know if this is a strength or a weakness of mine, but I was excited <laughs> uh, to have him back. Um, I felt like that's a gift. Um, okay. <laughs> I felt like, uh, God is doing something and mm. I want to be in the middle of something that God's doing. That's the distinct feeling I had. That's the distinct feeling I still get today when items like this come across my table, uh, which happens, uh, you know, fortunately, I, I consider it fortunately happens, I think frequently, uh, in my life. So, uh, uh, oh, my wife is saying it never lets me watch. How do I fix this? I don't know, Tina, but you can't hear me because you, you're not able to watch. Uh, and Nathan, your mom says, Hey guys. So, Hey, uh, Hey, Nathan's mom. Hey, Sharon. Um, so where was I? Um, you're excited to be where God was working. Ah, yes. Um, so over the course of just the three days that he was with us, it was very, very intense. I was seeing a lot of things that were horrifying, you know, him saying certain things and, and, and all of that. Uh, and I believe it was a Sunday that we were, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to get that detail wrong. Uh, basically one of the Sundays where we had a, uh, prayer meeting, which was very normal for us. We had a Sunday prayer meeting, um, every Sunday, uh, a fellow came who had actually had experience with spiritual warfare before. Now we hadn't, I hadn't heard any teaching. Uh, I had no, I didn't know anybody who had ever done any kind of spiritual warfare stuff. The only thing that I had was, uh, the stuff about spiritual warfare in the Bible. But at this time, this was the beginning of me really starting to ingest the Bible. So I wasn't versed at all in what we were actually, you know, doing. But so a guy came to our prayer meeting. He, we were praying for the guy, uh, praying for Brian and something very, very noticeable changed that deal where he, you couldn't talk to him for two minutes without him saying something really weird or feeling like there was a, you know, devil on your face that changed that night. It was pretty noticeable to everybody. And that night, that was a Sunday night. We worshiped together. He sang worship songs and played the guitar. And it was a big celebration for us. And I don't know what every, how everybody felt, but I had a distinctly, I had the distinct feeling of something really major happened, but it's not done. And I don't know. Do you remember that night? Do you remember how you felt? Were you, did you think that it was over? I do remember us praying for him a lot. Was it that night that Sarah told us her opinion? Sarah, our neighbor. Do you remember mm. that? Maybe that was just to me. I don't, but she told I don't me remember. she thought it wasn't done, and she told me that he she thought he wasn't ready, which she was the first person to say that. Okay, but um, that's what no, I, I remember. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hear that, um, but I could tell that it wasn't done, and it was actually the very next morning, Monday morning, that he was supposed to go to the facility, and okay. they and they he didn't make it through intake. So, even though something really noticeable had changed the night before, and we all celebrated in big ways. Um, the next day, he something was still so not right that he still didn't make it into the facility. So he came back, and and after that was when I kind of was his like primary caregiver, I guess you could say. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't working at the time, uh, and so I just had lots and lots of free time. So I was around him, and I wanted to be in the middle of all of this. So, um, 
without stringing out too many details, for about five days, things seemed pretty pretty cool, but it, but a little off. And then maybe f- day five or six, he had uh, it was we were praying in in it was me and uh, and one of our friends and Brian, and we're praying. And I just started to feel like I should pray about the victory that Jesus has already conquered on the cross. And uh, while I was praying that, I looked over at him and he was looking at me with this really, really gnarly face. Uh, And he jumped up and ran out of the room and he ran to the door like he was trying to escape. And then we followed him in there and he turned around and kind of confronted me and threatened violence against me. And this was the first time and not nearly the last time I felt like God was saying, but I wasn't hearing a word. I just felt on the inside, God is here. He's going to protect me. This is wow. the, the devil at work and God is going to protect me. And I remember wow. I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know how to actually fight the spiritual warfare. That was something that huh. came around way later, uh, which I'm going to get into. But I, I, I stood there with my hands like this. Uh, not in a position to defend myself at all, specifically in a position of not being able to defend myself. And he was getting in my face and he was threatening violence and he was uh, and looking at me kind of through his eyebrows and just talking weird. And I, I think the thing that I kept saying was um, God is, uh, you know, all powerful. He is my protector. He's my king. Um, and these are true things and they're aggravating things. Now, now I understand as far as spiritual warfare goes, these are aggravating things to the enemy to simply say, and Mm. of course, praying about the, the supremacy of Christ and his victory, his once and for all victory. It was a infuriating thing for the enemy to hear, which is why that, I think that it, it kind of exploded at that moment. Right. And that was day one of multiple days where he would have these big violent outbursts. And I'll share just this uh, one before kind of moving on to, well, I'll share just this one. Uh, now I had sin. There was a, there was something sinful in me at this point. I'm pretty positive now because it was so exhilarating to me. I wanted to always be in the middle of it. Uh, even at the expense of wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. like I would have, I would have rather been experiencing something really intense with this guy alone, which is not safe. I would find out. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would rather that than um, than it be less intense and be in a safer environment, like with you guys around. So uh-huh. you may remember this. Uh, it was a Saturday night. Um, we had just played a show in Deep Ellum, a rock show. He had come with us. And the music itself, he said, this, you know, loud music uh, is doing something inside me. He said, it sounds like hell inside me. So making no statement whatsoever about uh, music and the demonic. This is just, this is what he said. Is that um, our band that made him feel that way or just all the bands? Uh, no, it was, uh, he actually, while we were driving home, he put on this really, really right. intense punk rock song. And he said, this is what my soul sounds like. Right. So anyway, um, uh, anyway, that night he and I were in his uh, room, the spare room. And, uh, I was, I was experimenting with, um, 
experimenting is maybe not the right word. I had heard, you know, that the name of Jesus has power over the enemy. I didn't uh-huh. quite know what that meant, but I, uh, I started to declare again to him. And I, and I remembered that when I would had prayed about the supremacy of Christ and his victory, that it, that it, something happened. So I was just right. d- telling him in plain language, uh, that Jesus is supreme. He has already won the victory. I don't think I had any of the scriptures that I now have, like, uh, the scripture in Colossians, um, two fifteen. he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them in, op- put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, uh, which is, you know, talking about the utter defeat of the, of the devil when Jesus triumphed over him in, at the cross. So I didn't have those verses, but I was saying things like that. And, uh, he, uh, uh, he set up straight and put his hands kind of in choir singing position. And he said, um, uh, you better be glad you don't have one of me in you. And I did not get, I was like, what is he? What? And so I kept saying, you know, similar stuff about how Jesus is King and Jesus died on the cross for our sins and all of this good biblical truth. And he said it again, you better be glad you don't have one of me in you. Uh, I was like, what is Brian saying? Why is he saying something so weird? And then he said, I can cast myself into you. And I was like, I was like, I was like, I don't really know the Bible too, too well, but Brian's got some weird theology. And then he's, and so this, um, it's taken me a long time to catch on to what's happening here. Uh Uh, And I, and then I said, uh, no, and then I, and then I got it. I was like, oh, am I talking to this evil presence that's living inside this guy? Cause he's talking in first person saying some weird stuff that a human <laughs> wouldn't be able to say about themselves. Right. Uh, and he, and, and I said, uh, and I said, in Jesus name, I will only speak to Brian. And he said, I can cast myself into you. And then I said, in Jesus name, I will only speak to Brian. Now this is the first time I'd ever said something like in Jesus name, dot, dot, dot. Uh, and so I said it once. He said, I can cast myself into you again. I said it again. And then he said, uh, and then he kind of like looked down his nose at me and said, you never deny my power. He stood up and grabbed me by the back of the head and threw me on face down onto the couch and started to punch me in the back. He had me one, two, uh, three. And I said, I didn't yell, but I said, in Jesus name, I need you to stop. In Jesus name, I need you to stop. And then he fell over onto the couch and kind of started to whimper. Uh, and then right, th- so then I get up and I'm sitting on the couch and I've got my hand on his back and he's whimpering. And then you guys come in and you're like, uh, some, everything going okay? Because I mean, you heard me getting punched in the back I, or something. And, yeah. uh, and so you'd come into the room and I was like, oh, everything's fine. You know, everything's fine now. Uh, a second ago, I was getting, <laughs> I was getting punched in the back, but I didn't say that. Um, and so you're like, oh, okay. And you guys, you know, went out and then he, you know, kind of sat up and looked me in the face and he was just so sad looking. And he's, he said, he said, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. And I was like, uh, and I said, you know, I know, you know, I know it was, it was very like Hollywood moment kind of moment, kind of like, All right. That wasn't me. I was like, Brian, I know, you know, oh, that kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. kind of, kind of intense, really melodramatic. Um, and that was the only time that I was assaulted. Uh, but uh, that kind of outburst happened multiple times um, until 
uh, the last day that he was with us. And uh, what time do we have? Oh, we do not have time for this. Okay, well, I'll not tell the spoon story, and we'll tell. We'll save that for another time. Okay, uh, but it's really funny. Uh, so, um, so the last day he was with us, uh, a couple of our friends, at least at least one, maybe two people, felt like they had heard from God. It's time to let him go. It's time to 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 ask him where he wants to go, and and take him there. And um, and I remember you saying just today, as we were talking about this, that that was a really uh, 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 impactful moment for you, hearing the word from God, two people hearing it or something like that. It was hearing. two two different people that we've been in contact with were reading the Genesis story of Abraham being willing to sacrifice Isaac. And the Holy Spirit spoke to them separately mm. and said, much like Abraham was willing to do this in faith, it's, time for Nathan and Dustin to let Brian go. Yeah. Both of them got that exact same thing and told it to us, which for us, at least for me, I was in this mentality of, well, Jesus just says to give to everyone who asks and love every poor person. So how could I possibly move on from this man who's in the middle of homelessness and oppression? And that was, I had no category for that, but I don't know about you, but I was suffering immensely. Like spiritually, I was, it was easily the hardest three weeks of my life. Wow. And Jesus kind of came in and said, this is no longer yours to carry. Mm, interesting. I, uh, that was one of the least salient parts of the story for me. Uh, all of the wow. other stuff stuck with me a lot. I didn't remember that part much at all, but I was convinced and we, and we uh, took him uh, back to where he had uh, come from. And, and, you know, we've talked about this part of the story many times, how we thought it was going to be, you know, we were having these, these violent sort of outbursts every day. We thought this was going to be just one more time for a big, crazy hurrah. Uh, but we took him where he wanted to go and, uh, we let him go and he, and it was really nice. And we hugged and he talked to us like a normal person and he walked off into the darkness uh, at this uh, train station that we dropped him off at, and that was it. Um, and so do you have any comment about that before I kind of take it a different place we, that we haven't discussed? No, I um, mean, he did get very angry when we told him. Yep. But but um, that was on a Saturday, but then that Sunday afternoon, he, yeah, it was very loving and affectionate, so we parted as friends. And he even told mm-hmm. me late night that Saturday, he said, I think Jesus is going to deliver me someday before I'm an old man, I'm going to be delivered. He and I had a, a vision at the same time of him as an old man free. Um, wow. Yeah. I remember when it wasn't quite there at the end. It was, it was earlier on. It was, uh, it was one day when we had gone to a coffee shop and I had had this vision and I knew hey, this is a, maybe getting into an, I'd see, I just, I just saw him as an old man free and I knew that he something he had also seen something at the same time, and wow. then he told me. And so, so anyway, so we dropped him off, and later on, now that this story doesn't really, it has some moments that are like real rising action type moments, but there's really no end. I mean, we just dropped him off, and he wasn't free. Mm-hmm. Um, and now this is the part that we haven't discussed. We've talked about this years ago and i think that i think that you and i were on a different page years ago when we talked about it 
that um, you were really encouraged that uh, that God said it's time to let him go, and that that was God's plan from the beginning. And my so I, you, I'll tell you my take, and you can kind of okay. speak into the, uh, that that God, you know, had us go through this thing, and then uh, He had us let him go. Uh, not free. I my take was. God had us go through this thing, um, and we did not know what to do. And so be, because we didn't know what to do and because we weren't going to get uh, the breakthrough, God said, let him go. Yeah, I and, agree with that totally. Oh, do you now? Yeah. Well, okay. Um, so for me, I maybe it wasn't you. I know for sure that I felt like, that was how I had interpreted it from the beginning. Like we didn't know what to do. So we were relieved, be- not because uh, we were doing everything faithfully and God just decided he wasn't going to get free with us. And he was, it was time to go three weeks later, but that we simply weren't going to get the breakthrough that, that uh, we were looking for. And so we were relieved and it was a grace of God that that happened. And we yeah. were really super excited about it. But I, but I always thought, uh, so, I've always been as certain as I can be that uh, if we had it to do again, knowing now uh, what I know that I think um, we could get the the breakthrough. Now I know that's kind of a, it's kind of uh, like, how, how can, how can you say that? Easy to say, right? Easy to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, but after, after that, my life was different. I devoured the Bible um, things were just different in my life. There were sins that I was a slave to, that I was no longer a slave to. I was getting victory over and not that I wasn't tempted in them. I was just able to fight and win those, tempt- those temptations. Um, and I learned a lot, a lot. I mean, I look, I learned a lot about spiritual warfare at that time. And there are some other cool stories about people prophesying stuff about spiritual warfare and my life mm-hmm. over me. Um, and, and then including just reading stuff and listening to teachers, uh, on it. Um, and, uh, one, one teacher, uh, I learned a lot from Mark Driscoll. He did a, a four hour teaching through spiritual warfare that can be found with some simple searches on YouTube. Mark Driscoll forgot spiritual to warfare. change Mark Driscoll's name. Well, you gotta, <laughs> if you're going to look, if you're going to look him up, if you're going to look him up, you gotta know how to look him up. Um, yeah. and, uh, so, uh, two years later, not long after I had actually written down the, the Brian story. Uh, I got my path crossed again with a fellow in a similar situation. And by similar, I mean, he had, uh, what one thing Brian did, uh, and this fellow Tom had also done, they had done magic ceremonies, like witchcraft type ceremonies to invite spirits to come into their bodies. Both of them had done that. Uh, both of them, um, had a spirit that, essentially, as far as their testimony goes, lived in them. And they couldn't tell what was them and what was the spirit. They both were af- said that they were afraid of what life would be like without it. Uh, they both said, it's not bad. It's good. God gave it to me. Um, mm. It's my friend. They both, so they were both in that, in that similar uh, scenario, uh, Brian and Tom. Um, but, bef- but between the Brian story and the Tom story, God had essentially lined up uh, – by this point, I think it had, there was this span of maybe two months 
I can't be that long. Maybe it was three or four weeks where I literally had a spiritual warfare encounter, like helping somebody get free from demonic oppression every day, every day for three or four weeks. And I didn't advertise. I didn't tell anybody. It was people were coming to me and it was every day that kind of ministry. Uh, And uh, just a couple of ones that come to mind, a guy who was having suicidal thoughts and a, I mean, a simple, this took no time. He starts breathing heavily. Tears are like streaming. And I just remember like heavy breathing, spit flying everywhere. And then it was done. And he didn't have those thoughts. He didn't have the feeling of, uh, of uh, wanting to do those things to himself. Uh, And that was just one of however many it would have been for three weeks of every day. And so that, and so I was just learning a lot. I was building a lot of confidence in the name of Jesus. Like Jesus name really is powerful. I wonder how powerful it is. Um, And so when Tom came, uh, who had been, uh, he, he, when he said he wanted to meet, he told me, I've been a witch uh, for uh, years. He said the reason he was a witch was because he's always been able to hear the voices of spirits and they came to him and, and hit and hit him up with a deal. You know, if you follow us and do what we say, we'll make you incredibly powerful. We will give you superpowers over other people. And so he, and now, so once again, I'm just going off of what he said, uh, right. but uh, he said that he had powers to manipulate objects. Like he can move things with his, with, well, he wouldn't say his mind. He can move things with magic. And he understood that he would say an incantation and a spirit would move the thing that he was trying to move. Um, wow. And, uh, and so it was, you know, organized worship of evil spirits. Uh, uh-huh. And so he came over on a rainy day and told me all of this. And, and then I was like, uh, well, you know what? I had learned. I said, we're not going to do this. Just you and me. Let me get a couple guys. So we got a couple of uh, uh, friends they, and two, two guys came over and uh, Tina, my wife, cleared out of the house um, just to give us the space. I don't think we had kids yet, but we had a, gosh, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I can't, cannot remember, but we did have a nursery. So I think we were preparing to have our, our first kid. And so we did this deliverance in the baby's bedroom, basically. Um, and uh, it took two hours of counseling and hearing from Tom. He was hearing things that this spirit was saying, and they were very, very similar to Brian, what Brian was saying, the very things that made people say he's not ready. He doesn't want it to leave. All, all those things were true for Tom. And, uh, and, oh, it's such a good, nice long story, but we're already over time. Um, in the, at the very beginning, I'll tell you it like this. I, I was beginning to believe that, uh, there was just a ton of authority that Jesus had given to us as Christians and tons of power in the name of Jesus. So as soon as we uh, sat down right out of the beginning. I said, in the name of Jesus, whatever evil spirit, or I can't remember how I said it exactly, but I just said, uh, I said, go and laid my hand on him. And he instantly looked up at me and his eyes were cold. He looked like a different person. Um, and I got freaked out. And I said, in Jesus name, I want Tom um, to come back. And so boom, Tom's back. And whatever that thing was that looked at me goes back down wherever it was. I don't know. Um, and then we're talking to, to Tom, Tom's hearing from this thing. And it's constantly saying things like, uh, God 
gave me to him. So I'm good. Um, uh, I help him. I give him uh, powers that he needs to, uh, to make it in this life, things like that. Um, and I'm, I'm his friend. And, but the big one was God uh, gave me to him. So I'm good. Why would you, you know, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Why would you cast out, cast me out if God gave me to him? And uh, this is the thing that it's saying to Tom and Tom's saying to us. And so we go back and forth and I'll, I will testify that everything that this thing said to Tom, we were able for whatever reason, right to our minds. It was like, oh, well, what about this scripture? What does uh, God have to do with darkness? God is light. He has nothing to do with darkness. There's just things like that. Uh, we, uh, we were made in the image of God. Just a lot of things were in the Holy spirit was immediately bringing things to mind and we were able to go back and forth. Um, and then at the end of this two hours, I finally, we got to this point where I just said, uh, in Jesus name, tell Tom what your ultimate plan is for him. And Tom was like, that's a good question, but it doesn't have to answer. You need to be more specific. I'm like, Oh, wow. oh okay. Okay. Uh, in Jesus name, tell Tom right now, um, that, if uh, something like what your plan is for him after he dies. And he said, okay, ask it again, but be more specific. I don't know why. I don't know why he was saying that, but he could tell that this thing inside him was able to resist that question. So I finally said, okay, in Jesus name, do you want Tom to go to heaven or hell when he dies? And the spirit, this is what Tom told us, said, I, I want him to go to heaven, but if he does what I say, he will go to hell. Huh. And for the first time, Tom said, he's not my friend. And then he, and then he said uh, to us, or I don't know, to, to it, or I don't know. He said, I'm stepping out of the way on this. And suddenly, boom, wow. that, thing, that thing that, that, that came up right at the beginning comes up again. He starts looking uh, at me, just like he did at the beginning. And I said, in Jesus name, go one time, just like that. Didn't yell just Jesus in Jesus name, go. And he, and, and Tom went, (laughs) and that was it. Uh, and then suddenly Tom, like, uh, Tom, like sort of takes over and he's like, he's like, you're not my God. And he starts naming all these spirits. Uh, and he says, you're not my God. You're not my God. You know, uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is King. I command you all to leave me. You cannot afflict me. You cannot, you know, trick me. I will not listen to you. And he just starts going off. And that goes on. That goes on for about 10 minutes. But uh, that moment of just looking at him right in the eyes and saying, go, I think could have happened at the very beginning, the first time when it uh, looked at me, but I chickened out. Um, but in the end, even though he thought it was from God, he thought it was his friend, he didn't want to get rid of it. He didn't uh, want to live without it because essentially we knew what to do. And maybe it was because, you know, I had more faith in the name of Christ. I don't know. Yeah. We got the very breakthrough that we didn't get with Brian. And so I've, I've always felt like that was actually a little bit of an end to the, to the, uh, to the Brian story. Uh-huh. Um, it was a similar um, thing, if not more intense. I mean, this guy, uh, had magic 
wands and magic totems and things. Also, uh, his hand was crippled, and he said it was a a, a various some kind of sporting accident. But during the deliverance session, he was like, "My hands, my hands free." Wow. And he, and he was like, uh, "This was my spell casting hand. It couldn't. I couldn't put it in any position except the the, the position that it could hold the wand." Mm, but um, it's so, accident. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so, uh, I'm not sure how to land this plane and we do need to land it 10 minutes ago. Well, can um, I ask you, Dustin? Yeah, yeah. How is, how is Tom doing? Have you seen him since Okay. the, the deliverance? Yes. So I got a lot of follow up with him after the deliverance. Uh, first we celebrated together the very night and we, um, uh, he, he said he needed to go home and destroy a whole bunch of witchcraft items. But first, let's go to Taco Bell and eat and, and celebrate. So we did. Yeah. Then a couple of days later, it was like Christmas Eve, I believe. Um, he called me up and said he was really struggling because he was into this certain kind of activity that I do not believe is demonic in its uh, nature. But for him was an idol and was a stronghold that a demon was using to afflict him. It was some type of uh, sport that he was into. Um, and many, many people would say that's a, it's demonic in nature. And I would, and, and I just don't think it is. Uh, I mean, I bet I may be wrong, but the bottom line was um, he, he called me up and I said, and, uh, and I can't remember exactly. It was like three in the morning. And he said, something's trying to get back in. A spirit's trying to get back in. Uh, huh. And he said, I believe it's because of this, this activity that I love to do. And I just prayed for him. And then he said, okay, I feel like because Jesus gave everything up for me, there's Hmm. anything that I am not willing to give up for him. The devil is going to use against me to capitalize against me. And I was like, well, I couldn't have said it better myself. So he (laughs) prayed, you know, and Jesus, I will give this up for you. It is not, you know, my God, it is not my life. And that was it. Very, you know, that was great. That was a couple of weeks later. There was another time we got together within a few weeks and he just felt like he needed more prayer help. So yeah. it was praying and just speak, you know, teaching him some biblical truth and stuff. Then fast forward a year and a half, uh, he has gone off to school, a school where he had tried to go, but was suffering so much from affliction uh, that he had to come home. Well, now he's able to go back because he's he's better. And so he goes back to school. He's back with this Christian community that he was actually intending to be with, but he, uh, he had, he had intended to become a Christian, but all this demonic bondage he was in from being a witch for so long, he just had to be set free from it. So now he's back with this community doing well, He comes back to town. And, uh, and, um, when he left, he had been kind of afraid of all of the different witches that were in the town that, that he lived in. He was afraid they were watching. He was afraid they were listening to him. When he came back, he wasn't afraid anymore. He was, he mm. was more grounded, just like uh, some, of the, some of the things that he was afraid of, he just wasn't afraid of anymore. And, uh, and, so, and then, you know, maybe you can fast forward another four or five years, and I've, I've kept a little bit of contact with him. Uh, and it's uh, unspectacular. He's just a Christian living in Christian community. <laughs> doing Christian things. That is, that is not spectacular. Getting, yeah. <laughs> not kidding. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Spectacular in, in that way. Exactly. It's, yeah. I find it, I find it quite spectacular and spectacular just to see the power of the name of Jesus. And mm-hmm. that's why, uh, I, I feel like this, um, uh, why I feel like doing spiritual warfare 
and deliverance with people is a, is a treat, is a joy, is a, is something I love to do is because I love to see the power of the name of Jesus on display. And that's the place in my life where I see it. I don't want to say the most, but it's really obvious. Um, and, And to return to the question of, is it just mental illness? I think that there is mental illness. I've had plenty of, uh, uh, experiences where I'm praying with somebody who's hearing voices and nothing changes. Mm. Um, but I've had a lot, like a lot of experiences where it does. And the, uh, the, uh, the ones that don't are typically like guys who are, um, I, I don't have a lot of contact with. It's like a one shot thing where I'm doing, deli- uh, doing uh, evangelism on the street or something. And, and, uh, and, a, and a person who's living on the streets is clearly like he's hearing something and try to take authority and stuff. Maybe if we spent time, maybe if there was a little more uh, time, yeah, you know, to, to really invest in it, we would get that breakthrough. Sure. Uh, but when, whenever I look at all the times I pray for healing, most of the time that does not, I, the healing doesn't come when I pray for healing, mm-hmm. but on the exact opposite side of the spectrum, when it's spiritual warfare, it's almost always uh, victorious. There's almost always mm. uh, not just breakthrough, but the breakthrough that we're looking for. And and as my Christian life has continued on, there have been situations where people are actually also physically healed. Uh, we're not wow. praying for healing. We're not even asking God for healing. We're fighting a demon and healing comes with the with the breakthrough against Mm-hmm. <laughs> the demon. And you see um, that in the gospels as well, I yeah. believe. Yeah. 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 You see at least one point where a person is, uh, is afflicted by a demon and it says she's afflicted by a demon. She's bent over and Jesus pronounces healing over her and she's healed. Mm-hmm. And it says she's healed, even though we mm-hmm. know for sure it was a demon. Anyway, there's actually lots and lots we could go on and on. About yeah. That. Yeah. Um, so Nate, you've been listening this whole time. Uh, yeah what would we be totally remiss to not say at the end of this episode? <laughs> well, uh, just a disclaimer, I guess. Uh, I know that that Mark Driscoll has had some ups and downs in his ministry and some serious sins, specifically kind of anger and bullying that he's had to repent of. Mm-hmm. And so just to be clear, we're not, I don't want to e- either endorse him or condemn him, but we were helped by that teaching that he made. Um, I also, I think maybe bigger picture. So Dustin, you are a pastor and you have a pastoral calling on your life and you have this desire to church plant and and be a lead pastor. And I affirm all of that, but I think it's interesting that most of what you just recounted, that was done when you were a lay person, you were just a guy who was a Christian. Essentially you weren't on staff at a church. Your job wasn't pastor. And now the stuff you're doing sounds to me and probably to most people who listen to this, it's kind of scary, kind of intense. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, what's so beautiful about it is that you, you're a Christian using your gifts. Yep. And when we use our gifts, the ones that God has given us and the ones that we kind of start to see that we're strong in, that kind of come easily to us, if you will, then that's a joy. And mm. I feel the same way using some of my gifts. And maybe I'll tell some of those stories in a later podcast. Like I, some gifts, I feel confident this is going to happen. God is going to move. And other times I'll walk out in a gift that I'm not as used to. And I've, 
like you, I've, I've had experiences of all kinds of gifts, but I know the ones that are kind of, that God's kind of given to me, if you will, that are sort of Mm -hmm. more special to, to me specifically. And so my encouragement is I don't, I hope that there are people who hear this, who think, wow, I think God might be calling me into that kind of ministry because Mm -hmm. we need those ministers desperately Mm -hmm. who can fight spiritual warfare in the name of Jesus. And all Christians, I think, can and may need to do that at times, if if only in their own lives. Yep. But I will also say it's my dear hope that from this and other podcast episodes that believers will start to learn how they're gifted spiritually and walk out in faith doing the things that Jesus is giving them to do Mm -hmm. and that's where your own stories are going to come from. So, Yep. Yeah. Amen. In the same way that not everybody wants to be the lead pastor of a church, uh, not everybody wants to do spiritual warfare, you know, like that. And like, like what you said, maybe everybody's going to have to, at some point, you know, mm-hmm. that could potentially be the case. Uh, but I don't think it's, it should be expected that every Christian is going to need to have the same disposition towards spiritual warfare that I have, which right. is essentially like, you know, I, I feel like this is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with preparing sermons and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Like those, I feel like what it is, is just walking in gifting, basically, mm-hmm. well, basically just what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the same way that I can, I can play an instrument, but I don't get fired up about the idea of, leading worship. Mm-hmm. Even though I could, like if someone said you have to lead worship, I could learn the songs and sing the songs and all that. Uh, but it's not a, it's not a thing that excites me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does for you, I would assume. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think what we want to make sure that people hear is this is not what you've heard. These stories are not okay. And here's what, a, here's what every Christian needs to do, needs to do. Right. Um, but I do believe that it is just another uh, aspect of normal Christianity. Yeah, that it's not Amen. super Christianity. Um, and at the, at the church I'm at now, uh, uh, when I was first hired here, I wasn't even the most experienced in this. Uh, mm. There was a fellow on staff uh, who, was, who 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 had done even far more uh, deliverance type. Uh, counseling sessions than 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 I had by lots Praise and uh, yeah so uh, and so we were you know we're a team it's just two people with similar gifting part of the church hey that's how the church should be it should be filled mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. uh, walking in their gifts and and uh, expressing the Lord through the gifts that He's given us mm-hmm. um, so hopefully this story has been encouraging hopefully we didn't leave anything out. Uh, any of the salient features that really need to be said. Sure. Uh, but uh, Nate, uh, I'm going to close this out. Yeah, yeah. Well, like some of our more recent episodes, this one brings up some things that are controversial to some people. And so if you do have questions, please message us or leave it in the comments, either on the on the Facebook page or on our personal pages. And we mm-hmm. it's our heart to address the things that you guys are thinking about and wondering about. And sometimes our own stories make perfect sense to us because we experienced mm-hmm. them yep. and they might make less sense to you. So mm-hmm. anyway, we love you all. And our heart is to be an encouragement to you as so many of you are to us. And we will see you next week. Many blessings.
Now watch this. I'm going to stop the live feed in three, two, one.